When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WrestlingInc.com brings you two-faced wrestling talk. The podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. Yes, but what's not usual is we're not in our normal set. We are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here for a Summerfest. Um, we're in a t-shirt. Yeah, we both got Summerfest shirts on. Yours got stains on it. Yeah, well, <laughs> <Could> you, <laughs> thanks for calling attention to that. It spilled. <laughs> Cut so. into a piece of sausage, and the juices just exploded all over my face. <laughs> face, which sounds like some sort of tie-in to Blue Chew, but we won't get We're it. not even there yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had a whole thing planned for Yeah, that. Well, we'll get to that, too. But it just sounded like it by the way I just described it. Anyway. It was a mess. It was good barbecue, though. It was good barbecue. But uh, we're in, at Summerfest. It's a music festival here in Milwaukee, if you've never heard of it. Uh, it's the world's largest music festival. I've been coming to this festival since 1997, every year except for two, so 20 of the last 22 years. Jeez and Pete's, man. Yeah, yeah. Very That's impressive. a long time. Where, uh, who are we seeing? We saw, we've already seen The Roots. That was awesome. Which they we, put on a great show. Uh, we saw an awesome rock band called Royal Tusk, which I'm looking forward to listening to more music from them. Yeah, I liked, actually liked them. It wasn't like the same old, same old. Yeah. That you like. Uh, <laughs> seeing, some, seeing Sublime with Rome. Yeah, whatever. And then uh, Killers and uh, Death Cab for Cute. So. Yeah. Pretty good uh, weekend before we head to Dallas. And then a ska show, which is really mo- awesome. Well, yeah, on Monday when we get back to New Orleans. Yeah, we're going to G1 and Slammiversary, though, this week. Yep, and uh, we will look ahead to uh, those uh, a little later in the show. And later in the show, we will also hear from Ring of Honors, Beer City Bruiser, who we saw in Brew City Wrestling at Summerfest. Yep. Uh, great interview with him. One of the, uh, one of the best interviews uh, we've we've had with a wrestler because he's just awesome he's really nice and we got to see him and his awesome wife ashley and the show is wonderful too so every year for the last few years they've done this wrestling show at Summerfest. so in case people don't know why was there wrestling at some music festival yeah. well it's just something they've been doing for the last couple of years and you actually saw it a couple of years ago when you were with your friends before we and we had even met. Yeah. And you were like, man, this is Beer City yep. Bruiser. He's good. I had just gotten into Ring of Honor at that point, and we, me and my buddies came and saw, uh, came to Summerfest and saw Bruce City Wrestling, and I put tapped the, both guys. I'm like, all right, watch, watch this big dude, Beer City Bruiser. He's unbelievable athleticism for a big dude. And just as he did that, he did like a suicide dive out of the ring. And so That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's just something you stumbled upon yep. at Summerfest. It's not like you knew it was going to be there that nope. year. No, nope. So uh, very cool. And uh, we will hear from him later in the show. We'll also have some fun with him and our listeners on uh, 
a tie-in to the 4th of July, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, and uh, a wrestling tie-in. Speaking of the 4th of July, let's uh, give a shout-out to some of our sponsors. We are recording on the 4th of July, so to all you fellow Americans, happy 4th. <laughs> For those of you outside of America, happy 4th, 4th. of July. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. which is just July 4th, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, of course, uh, that's a uh, 4th of July weekend is always is a time for uh, people to travel. Like us. Yeah, like us, and uh, we're traveling to a wrestling show in Dallas from here. But uh, our great partners at Wrestling Travel give you great ways to go and travel and see wrestling, uh, whether it's in Japan, whether it's in the United States, whether it's WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom. It's, it's a great great site to go to. WrestlingTravel.org. They just released their official packages for U.S. travelers for WrestleMania. So that just came out this week. And some more news from Wrestling Travel this week on Twitter. You can follow them at Wrestling Travel. They just announced that they're permanently lowering their price for their travel packages to all out from $1,199 to just $799. And that includes a three-night hotel suite with breakfast, shuttle to and from StarCast from the hotel, StarCast Platinum Bracelet, and a lower bowl ticket to all out. I think that's a wonderful deal. It's an incredible deal. For that price. So take advantage of it. If you guys got questions, that's okay because they've got a friendly staff that will be willing to help you. DM them on Twitter or just go to the Contact Us tab on WrestlingTravel.org. And uh, speaking of July 4th, there's speaking, another thing. Speaking of July 4th, 4th of July is all about fireworks, right? Yep. And? If you want those same type of fireworks, not just the kind you see outside, but if you want those same sparks inside your bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> go to BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Kelsey, that's my name, K-E-L-S-I, and you could be sent a free sample of BlueChew. And all you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Please, please your partner. Terrific deal. So, uh, yeah, fireworks at Summerfest, fireworks in the bedroom, music at Summerfest. Make make your partners be singing at a great, <laughs> singing that sweet note, I guess. Whatever. Blue chill. That's good enough. I, yeah, something along those lines. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we will again get to uh, Beer City Bruiser in a bit, but we got to go in reverse and go back to last weekend and uh, the second Big all elite wrestling show, and uh, it was another entertaining one. In fact, we, I think we can start with this. Some people were disappointed with it. You and I both thought it was actually a little better than Double or Nothing. And we got to explain why. Double or Nothing was special. We were there live. We were yeah. not at Fighter Fest no. live. But Double or Nothing, I think, had some really great matches at the end. Like the last three matches were wonderful, had a lot of story, were very impactful, hard hitting. There were some surprises. But what Fighter Fest had was, I feel like, a more consistently better show from the bottom of the card to the top. So even starting with your lower tier matches, I felt like I enjoyed them more. I wasn't as impatient to uh, have them go by and to get to the bigger built-up matches. I felt like some of the stuff like Christopher Daniel Daniels versus Shima, I liked that match. And a lot of other stuff like the women's match was amazing too. I really was taken in by that women's match. Yeah, uh, Rio, uh, Nyla Rose, and uh, Sakazaki. Uh, a tremendous women's match, I thought. 
yeah, very, very good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And like I said, I even tweeted out, like, that was an amazing women's match. And that's what you have to do when you're competing against other women's divisions who have some of the best women out there, like NXT, that women's division is really strong, really WWE's women's roster as a whole. So this is the type of women's matches that they need to have on a consistent basis. Whereas I feel like the pre-show, I will say that the pre-show of Fighter Fest wasn't my favorite. I, I really, you know, didn't think the women's match was very good. But if they have more of women's matches like the one on the main show, I think they're in good shape. Um, first match that I was really looking forward to on this card was uh, MJF versus Havoc versus Jungle Boy versus Page. First of all, MJF on the mic was so awesome. He's Again, always awesome. Oh, my gosh. When he said something like, uh, yeah, I used to be in the video games and... Then I lost my virginity. <laughs> then they cut to this guy's reaction, and it was absurd. Like, oh, gosh. So, uh, I don't know if MJF needs Bluetooth, but I'm sure he could always use it now that... <laughs> <laughs> this brings up an interesting point. So, a buddy of mine who watches wrestling sees Jungle Boy, and he's like, it's hard for me to take him seriously. There's no way that he gets in a fight with Paige that Paige wouldn't beat him. So... I know you hate that school of thought, and I'll let you respond to it, but I hope our listeners weigh in, too. Do you have a problem when it's a super small guy against a big guy and suspending disbelief? I have a problem with a skinny-as-heck guy, your friend, our friend, Innings, calling somebody else who's skinny a pencil-neck geek. <laughs> well, what are you, man? <laughs> You're just as skinny as this dude. Yeah, but he's not picking fights with Adam Page, either. <laughs> yeah, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Well, he, he had that same argument later with Darby Allen and Cody, which we'll, we'll get to that match in a minute. So... If you're listening or watching, please weigh in on your thoughts on that. Send, send us a, a tweet at TwoFacePod and give us your thoughts on that. Do you have a hard time when it's a super small guy versus any sort of bigger guy suspending disbelief? To me, it's not hard to suspend your disbelief. If you're truly in a fight, you think that no fights happen between super big guys and like skinnier, smaller guys. The skinny smaller guy is usually more agile and usually can flip around and like kind of counter things better so they might have a different way of fighting but i don't think they're any less effective at fighting off a bigger opponent and i think that's how you can suspend your disbelief because i think those type of fights in real life actually do happen and are believable to have happened it's not just sometimes the big guys are just like you know kind of fumbling around like their weight's so heavy they can't move around as good so to me i don't have a problem trying to just say like oh this is plausible to me if you could suspend your disbelief in some of the most absurd movies ever created why can't you do so with wrestling it's a good point yeah it's a great point <laughs> it is. is wrong i will take this so far well, i don't care well two things you were disappointed in, in with this this match in particular you thought it was way too predictable that page was going to win but yeah. also that our guy Jimmy Havoc, who we had uh, an interview with a couple weeks ago on the show, didn't really get a chance to show what he can do. Jimmy Havoc did not have a chance to shine in this match at all. If you were a new fan, a casual fan, tuning in to AEW for the first time and you see this guy Jimmy Havoc, you would have no idea at the type of wrestler he is after seeing this match. You would have, you would have no idea at the type of things he's done in his career. <laughs> the crazy, amazing, jaw-dropping things he's done. So to me, I'm hoping he'll get more of a chance to shine in the future as things progress. Of course, we have TV coming up and everything. I'm sure he'll have some spotlights then as well. But yeah, I thought Paige was going to win right away because they have been preaching that wins and losses mean something. 
And so if that's the case, then I'm thinking, well, Paige has a big match coming up. Why would they have him lose if losses actually matter? And I actually thought the same exact thing when I watched Christopher Daniels versus Shima because Shima had a big match announced with, I think it's Omega. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, why would he lose against Christopher Daniels? Lo and behold, he won. Right. Which to me, me, I hope this isn't as predictable as it's going to be going forward, but... I could see that coming a mile away, especially on commentary, which we will talk about. <laughs> uh, we kind of have a controversial <laughs> view about that. But uh, on commentary, they were cementing that fact, too. Like, oh, he's got a big match coming up. How will a, a loss or a win affect that? Well, a loss would be almost detrimental to fight to fighting somebody else in the future. So, Well, uh, let's uh, move on to Cody versus uh, Darby Allen. We'll get to what happened post-match. But uh, we'll start with the actual match itself. And we talked about it last week. We didn't know a ton about Darby Allen. Started watching some video. His backstory is very interesting. Uh, JR kind of talked about it. And the broadcasters talked about it. Uh, and then he brings a body bag to the ring, which was kind of a good visual. But I was interested to see him in action. And he is uh, hes crazy. <laughs> he really is nuts. And I like the visual of the body bag. Of, well, at least of him bringing it in. I didn't like the spot where he used it. That's the only part in the match I didn't like. Yeah. I thought the entire match besides that was literally perfection. I thought it was a great way to elevate Darby and not really hurt Cody too much either. The way that they had the finish be a time limit draw, I think that it was so effective mm-hmm. for what the company wants to do, especially with like guys like Darby. Like It would really have hurt him to lose all out against Cody. Well, I think it, even more so, I think it made him bigger because... He was able to go to the distance with Cody, even though he was about to get pinned. The clock expired, and I thought that was a perfect ending because Cody doesn't need to get over, obviously. Right. And it puts Darby Allen over. And look, people saw him do the coffin drop where he hits the apron on his back, which is just pure insanity to me. It is Like, it's more crazy than PCO's things to me, almost. Almost. (laughs) And the thing is, he's done that same move especially on to the ring apron, actually in PWG. We just watched it. So it's not like this is the first time he's done it, but it's been the first time he's done it like on a massive stage like this. So to me, I think people were shocked to see that, but it's obviously obviously something standard and part of his moveset for him. Yeah. Even hitting the apron like that. But yeah, visually it's striking and it's scary, but I think that's why the move works for him and it actually helps get him over. Um, So they get the time out, or the the time runs out, and so it's a... Uh, no decision between the two. Great for Darby Allen. They're debating whether they'll have five more minutes. And then Sean Spears hits the ring and hits Cody with a brutal chair shot. lot to unpack here. This has been a subject of discussion since Saturday night. Uh, Cody has since released a video uh, backstage of, of his head with 12 staples in it. Uh, where do we want to start with this? (laughs) So the video you're referring to is uh, Road to Fight for the Fallen, and that's on the Nightmare Family YouTube channel, which is essentially Cody Rhodes' YouTube channel. And so they show him going backstage, bleeding. They show the doctor wiping off the blood, and you see the cut. Then they show the actual staples, as you said. But, you know, at first you and I were really convinced that it was fake because not really that, I mean, obviously the chair shot, was unprotected. Mm. So you could definitely get hurt like that. But first we thought he was hit on the other side of the head right. that he was bleeding. But we, we watched it a few times. It's actually, he does get kind of hit right. on that part the, of his head. The chair wraps around his head almost. Right, the, the, the backing of the chair, which was not gimmicked. 
<laughs> yeah, which like we'll, the which Bucks, we'll talk about in a yes, second. Yes, claimed that the chair was <laughs> yeah. gimmicked, which I don't really believe. Right, but. right. Well, I mean, I guess we can go to that now. I think it's stupid for them to come out and even say that the chair was gimmicked because a, a it doesn't really it doesn't really forgive the unprotected chair shot because it's still not something you should even be doing. And but, you're demeaning your storylines too at the same of all, time. You're basically telling people. Even though we all know that it's scripted and some things are are fake, you're basically telling people, okay, this was a fake chair. So right. I, I don't think there was any need. I think they felt like they had to be in damage control a little because bit. Because there was a lot of people up in arms like, we don't want to see an unprotected chair shot in 2019. Yeah. And I understand that because it is kind of brutal, especially with what we know about CTE. JR mentioned that on commentary. Yep. That was one of the good things he said on yeah, commentary. Yeah, he, he did a good job there, bringing he, that up. He did. And I am a big proponent of you know protecting the wrestlers, especially because I actually got really fascinated about CTE a long time ago. I remember the, the night I found out about Chris Benoit. I'm a later fan, so I didn't know about him until the night that, uh, that Stone Cold interviewed Vince McMahon on the WWE Network. I was, for some reason, looking up a whole bunch of uh, wrestling things. Because Vince and uh, Stone Cold were talking so candidly. I don't know what made me go look up stuff. But I found out about Chris Benoit. Then I found out about the CTE study. So it was kind of like a cascade of information that I fell into mm-hmm. that night. And so since then, which was quite a while ago now, I've really been like, oh, they got to watch out. But, you know, not every wrestler is going to get CTE from one chair shot. Cody has the benefit of not having a lifetime of these unprotected right. chair shots to the head. But, yeah, it's not smart. It doesn't look good on the company because... Um, I know they want to be any different than WWE, but because I really, I, I feel like there's the fingerprints of Cody on this all over the place. Like some people are arguing, maybe he didn't have legitimately time to get his hands up. No, I'm pretty sure he planned to not put his hands up. And this is so Cody. You know, he loves to bleed, which is another reason why we thought it was fake at first. But he, I think he's always trying to make a statement. Like we're different, we're more hardcore, we're more edgy. You know, we're not them. Yeah, and that's all fine. And But, uh, yeah, the chair shot thing is something that goes away. And look, people rightfully have said, all right, you're worried about the head. What about a guy landing spine first on the apron, referring to Darby Allen, what we just talked about? You know, that's dangerous too. But headshots are in. You know, the discussion about headshots, whether it's football, hockey, professional wrestling, CTE and, and, and headshots are, are, are a big deal. So rightfully, I think there was discussion on it, on it both ways on Twitter right after the match. And, and, and that's there's nothing wrong with having that kind of discussion. Uh, you know, nobody needed to get belligerent about it, which of course some people did on Twitter, uh, back and forth. You know, but I, the discussion is fine. Before we wrap up our discussion about the chair shot and everything, let's talk about quickly explain fully why we thought it could be fake at first, which we're also questioning right now because I think it was legitimate now. But at first, there's a specific angle. It's not just where he got hit in the head because we later confirmed, like we just said, that we did think it hit the part of the head that was bleeding. But the part that made it seem unbelievable to me is that they show him getting hit with a chair. He falls to the mat. They have a shot, a wide shot. He's laying there. There's no redness. At all. At all on the back of his head. You see the same part of his head. Right. Then they cut away to all this shenanigan stuff between Spears and Brandy. It looks like he's going to hit her with a chair. Right. They hold on that for quite a few seconds. They cut back to Cody. He's in the same position. Maybe his head is tilted a little slightly more up, but basically the same exact position. And now all of a sudden you see blood pouring from his head, 
where it wasn't even read before. And yes, you could argue maybe it take, took a few seconds for his head right. to bleed. Right. I mean, we've all cut ourselves, and sometimes it takes a couple seconds to bleed. But there's so but, many capillaries back there. Your head bleeds like that. That's why people blade around the head, the face. like. And the, head, the gash know. was so big. You would think there would be been some semblance of blood early on. So that's... Or redness or yeah, anything. That's why it was... It was kind of hard for us not... Look, Cody's got a history of blading. And, and, and double or nothing, uh, Dustin bladed. So Right. But then, you know, then there's the thing about the gash is so big, could a blade really do right. that? And also it's in a weird spot on the head. Right. Could he reach back there? It'd be kind of odd. And see, I think people would notice if he reached his hand back. And unless by, he was holding his head, which we don't see because they cut away. And by now, uh, you would think cell phone video would have come out of him blading if, if it existed. So so I do think it's real, but the reason we question so heavily is yeah, because of that initially. one angle. Yeah, initially. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, we've re- reversed course a little bit about it as we've looked at different angles and frozen video and of the chair shot yeah. but it's still that shot where he's laying down is so weird to me it, it is. i can't believe there's no redness no nothing well we uh, before we move on to the last two matches uh we brought up jr there uh and him bringing up cte uh one of the few things that he did well on the broadcast and before people lose their mind we're not saying jr is not good he's good. he's a legend he was great he's still good he just doesn't fit here he just doesn't fit it's in this promotion, I don't think. I feel like the age gap is really apparent. Now, I have seen some comments on Twitter, which I kind of like, saying like, well, you know, maybe he's there to bridge the gap for fans that are older like JR. And right. you can't relate to the young stuff. Right. But they can relate to JR because they watched him sense. for a very long time. That does make sense. But it still doesn't help for us as audience members just feeling so awkward by some of the things he says. Like during the women's match, he had some weird comments. I know he said the word oriental, which I think is completely wrong. Right. People on Twitter have already made a huge deal on right. it, so I'm not going to comment too much on it. I think he just didn't know that that's not right to say. But he also talks about, you know, oh, something about talking about women and being what? small and winning. And I don't know. It was very odd. Well, and look, you know, during this next match, when there was all the Street Fighter references, they even joked that they had to explain to him what it is. But to me, that also brought to the forefront that he doesn't relate to what the audience is right now. He's an older school guy. Just like uh, when Jim Cornette's on some of the broadcasts for some of these other promotions, I like when he's done the NWA because he's an old school NWA guy, I don't think he fits with a modern product either. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's old school guys who did different types of wrestling and they were great at it. But that doesn't mean that they fit now. I have to agree with you. I'm, I'm not a fan of him on commentary. And this started back when he was doing New Japan calls on Access TV. I just felt like he wasn't in line with what the product today represents. Especially the product that New Japan was trying to put out at the time, and now the product that he's representing, AEW, they're trying to put out a very young, hip, revolutionary product, and it's very hard to push that agenda and push that content when the guy pushing it is kind of questioning it sometimes. Yeah. Or just doesn't even sound that enthused sometimes. Now, overall, I do think he's better overall than he was on New Japan. Well, he's not degrading the product like he kind of seemed to do sometimes on New Japan. Right. You know, like not understanding why guys would uh, exchange uh, chops. Yeah, he basically totally ripped that apart. He's like, I don't understand why you would go in the middle of the ring and let your opponent hit you. Totally ripping it apart. And I can't remember who was on commentary with him that day, but they had to say, 
like this is a new Japan tradition. Right. Like, this is what they do. Right. It's like a, a feat of strength, uh, you know, showing your bravery, showing yeah. that you're strong. So again, before you write in ripping us, we don't dislike JR. We just don't think he's a fit in all elite wrestling. To be fair, I heard he was better for the double or nothing broadcast, which he very may, he very way <laughs> he very well may have been, but I just think on this broadcast he wasn't my favorite. Excalibur as usual was great. Yep. And we'll talk about all the crazy PWG similarities in a second after we talk about this Young Bucks match. I thought it was a wonderful match. Young Bucks teaming with Kenny Omega, dressed up like Street Fighter characters, <laughs> even had like the little theme song nod and everything. The their gear was amazing. It was well, and having uh, Justin Roberts go round one fight. Yes, it's so great. much like it. Also, they did the Hadouken, which <laughs> Kenny Omega used to do all the time as a singles guy back, like in his earlier date wrestling days. Not for a long time, like since he kind of became more of a main event player in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He changed up his moveset a little bit and stopped doing that. But to me, that was vintage Kenny right there. I know it was a nod to Street Fighter, but he also used to do that on his own. Right. Without it being a gaming convention. He well, did that in the past. Well, look, these are, I mean, Laredo Kid, if you don't know much about him, he was fantastic. We love the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. And obviously the Bucks and Omega were uh, were their usual great selves. And so that was a great match with, with them. And as Excalibur said, this was kind of like a repeat of Ebola match where it had five out of the six competitors mm -hmm. in it in the PWG match. So I think that's kind of neat. And it shows you... I really think AEW is kind of PWG 2.0 right now. There's so many similarities. And before we get to like the main yeah, event... Yeah, well, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, I'm going to talk about how many similarities there are. I just want to back up for a second uh, because another similarity to PWG kind of came in the pre-show. And let me just consult my notes so I let you guys know. There are people tweeting at me saying that they do not like Dark Order. They think it's totally not working with the audience and that they should give up on it. I was like, how could you give up on something before you even see a match from them? Of course, we're talking about these guys who are formerly known as the Super Smash Brothers, and they had a lot of great matches in PWG right. and other promotions too, especially against the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks, to me, are obviously invested in them. So we had Best Friends versus SCU versus Private Party on the pre-show, and Best Friends won. Then that's when Dark Order came out. Again, that's formerly known as Super Smash Brothers. And it looks like they're going to have a feud in AEW. The funny thing is, and this is why I say it's like AEW is PWG 2.0, because the next PWG show is going to have Best Friends versus Dark Order slash Super Smash Brothers. So to me already, there you go. There's one little coincidence. And then let me just read you the card for the next PWG show, and you'll see a lot of similarities. So we've got... Uh, Flip Gordon taking on Trey Miguel. We've got Dark Order, like I said, taking on the best friends. And that's Super Smash Brothers return to PWG. First time in a long time. MJF is making his PWG debut against Darby Allen on July 26th. Then we've got Jungle Boy facing Joey Janela on July 26th. <laughs> We're about to get to the main event with Joey Janela. We've got Brody King uh, taking on David Starr and LAX versus the Rascals, which is kind of like Impact's doing the same thing right now. They're going to have a ladder match at PWG, but they're about to have a match at Slammiversary as well. Yeah, so uh, PWG, we wondered whether what their future was going to be with AEW, and it looks like they're uh, definitely going to be okay with the wrestlers bouncing back and forth. 
I would think that the Bucks would have to be okay with that because of how they worked into their Ring of Honor contracts that they had to perform at PWG. They wanted to still be a part of that promotion. So then PWG is so close to their hearts, of course they would let other wrestlers that are on their own roster now wrestle for PWG still. I think it just makes the most sense. And of course Excalibur, kind of being one of the founders of PWG, be involved in AEW, of course I just think there has to be some kind of good relationship between the two companies. Let's move on to the main event of this Fighter Fest, Moxley versus Joey Janela. Two guys that uh, might be a legit crazy. <laughs> they really, really may be, especially Joey Janela. But I said, I tweeted out during the show, Joey Janela is like my spirit animal. I love him so much. I really, really do. I just Every time I see him, I like him more and more. And he's just so weird. Like, remember when we heard him talk at, he was talking about all those people who, who died, but he said it in such a weird way. Yeah. Like, I can't explain it, but it made me laugh, and it shouldn't be stuff you laugh at, but his humor is really cool. I like it a lot. Well, and this was a humorous moment in the match. Uh, one of the first things I wrote down was uh, when somebody handed him a prosthetic leg from the crowd, it. and he used it to hit Moxley. I, I really I thought that was awesome. Of course, there was crazy things used. You got your standard stuff, though. You got your chairs, your tables, <laughs> right. you know, even a ladder. But they went even further. They used thumbtacks. And man, that's where it started to get crazy. <laughs> I couldn't believe that Moxley, that flipping monster, he took off Janela's shoes, you monster. So you see the tacks going into Janela's feet, like his actual feet. God, that was effective. And I even said, like, this is the perfect hardcore match for like a casual audience because it's not going too far but it's going just far en enough where you're like oh sick that hurts <laughs> but not so much to where you cannot watch it like you know if they had introduced i think crazier weapons it, it could have gone too far for the casual audience that they're trying to get so i think this was like the perfect midway the perfect compromise well you you jumped over some of the other crazy instruments moxley bringing in the barbed wire chair and the crowd chanting, you sick F. Yeah. And he takes a bow, which I thought was hilarious. And then those tables with the barbed wire on it. Yep. And uh, Janela drew, drew, drove Moxley through the barbed wire table. And then off the ladder, drove Moxley through a table. And then uh, Moxley Death Valley bombed Janela through a barbed wire table. So. That was awesome. <laughs> oh, God, there were so many parts where I was like, I gotta look away. <laughs> but it really wasn't like that hardcore of a match. I mean, it was. But it was. it was like just the perfect combination of all these elements to be just, I don't know, the greatest <laughs> hardcore match. I loved it a lot. I thought it was a great mix of, <laughs> of kind of wrestling and hardcore stuff. Uh, in the end, after Moxley gets the victory, Omega runs in and starts attacking Moxley and does a double stomp onto the tables on top of Moxley and then attacks with uh, the stage props of the guitar and the uh, garbage can. Yeah, that was awesome. And uh, obviously we're going to get that feud coming up soon that's booked already, Omega versus Moxley. I think that should be really good. It really will. It, it, it should be a, a lot of fun. Uh, that, that, of course, is it all out. Yep. Their next show, uh, we just have learned that we are going to go to Fight for the Fallen. We have learned. We have decided <laughs> we're going. Yes, we've learned. Um, so <laughs> we will be going to that show next weekend. So we'll talk about that show on next week's podcast. Now, Moxley, of course, also wrestling in New Japan. They kick off the G1 this weekend in Dallas. We will be at the American Airlines Center uh, for this show. And the card is out. And uh, I think it's uh, pretty interesting, pretty good, except no Moxley or Suzuki on the card right now. But 
you know, even the opening match show and yo versus God is interesting to me. And you can go right down uh, the card. I think, I think it's a pretty good card. And I mean, obviously there are some people that we'd like to see, but we knew we weren't going to get to see everybody. I just really would love it to have been the other block, but obviously they couldn't do that because of the Moxley thing. I'm sure Moxley isn't allowed to wrestle for this company in America. Probably not. So that makes sense, I guess, but I just, I love the way the other card, like the other block is taking (laughs) shape, I should say. Well, still, we're going to get to see a rematch of Osprey and Archer. Should be great. I mean, their first match was incredible. Which, uh, if you haven't seen on Twitter, uh, in the Seth Rollins, Will Osprey, uh, feud that now Seth Rollins has apologized for and Osprey's like oh, everything's all good. Osprey, Archer, of course, is the classy guy being like, oh, it's okay. I really respect you, dude. And all this other stuff. I love Osprey. I think he's literally the best. But in that Twitter uh, battle, Archer even weighed in and said he was going to take care of Osprey. Said it to Rollins. So yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'll take care of that little guy or yeah. something. So <laughs> Great heel work. Great heel him. work. And of course, the main event, Okada versus Tanahashi. Uh, the champ versus one of the legends uh, should be another fun get-together with them, too. They've met multiple times, and each time it's been great, so yeah. I expect nothing less. Of course, I'm really looking forward to Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata. I think that should be really good. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're looking forward to Abushi versus Kenta. Oh, yeah, of course. That should be really yes. good. Even though you if I was a bigger fan of, of Abushi, I would, I would care. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you do not. Uh, the other show we're going to in Dallas is Impact Slammiversary. We kind of added that on at the last minute. That is Sunday night. And, you know, admittedly, we have let Impact drop off our radar a little bit with their change in network and their overpriced pay-per-views. But since we're in Dallas, we're going to the show. And The show looks cow, great. The card. What a card. I mean, you for your main event... Brian Cage versus Michael Elgin. That should be amazing. amazing. Two, like, really strong brutes going at it. Yeah. And they're agile, too, though. Mm-hmm. So they're strong and big, but crazy fast and athletic. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I think RVD versus Moose should be kind of interesting, honestly. RVD is an old-school favorite of mine. He was actually one of my very first favorites besides Stone Cold. So to me, this kind of has a lot of meaning to me to see RVD in person. And as I mentioned, just like they're facing in PWG, LAX versus Rascals. That, I think that's going to be probably the, match, be the of match of the night. I think uh, Killer Cross, Eddie Edwards. In a first blood match. And then, of course, Sammy Callahan versus Tessa. I think that's going to be tremendous theater. I think it could be <laughs> second match of the night under LAX and Rascals yep. because Sammy's crazy. And Tessa's, Tessa's a awesome. great yeah. wrestler. How are they going to me- mesh up? I hope they actually let them go and not just like kind of squash it with shenanigans. We'll see. Let's go uh, now back in time to uh, Ring of Honor, Best in the World, Friday night. And again, don't forget in our second segment, speaking of Ring of Honor, we'll be talking to the Beer City Bruiser. Uh, right off the bat, Roosh and Flip Gordon in the uh, the pre-show, I thought, really good match, as you would expect. It was a good match, and Flip Gordon went a lot longer in that match than I thought, because Roosh has been putting away his opponents very quickly. However... As we saw later in the show, it was very telling that Flip lasted so long. Big things are ahead for Flip, and I think we saw that in how he kind of took Roosh to the limits. But, of course, Roosh did wind up winning and keeping his winning streak, which I think they have to be careful of. Then we got the big surprise of Eli Drake joining Ring of Honor, as or NWA and Ring of Honor, uh, NWA full-time. And uh, he was announced as Aldous' partner, and... 
you know, I thought that was a, a, a good landing place for Eli Drake. Yeah, so he tagged with Aldis to face the Briscoes. And to me, when it was supposed to be Colt, because originally that was going to be Aldis' partner, but Colt had blood clots, as we talked about last week. And so Eli Drake replaced him. I was a lot more torn when I thought it would be Colt facing the Briscoes. <laughs> but now that it was Eli Drake and Aldis, I was like, hell, go Briscoes all the way. But unfortunately, you know. <laughs> Nothing happened, really. Well, and we're not going to go super in-depth with this because, uh, you know, we did have a, a, a post-show podcast, uh, which, unfortunately, if you've gone looking for that, by the way, uh, the audio file, for whatever reason, can't be recovered. So you can watch it on YouTube. You just can't listen to it. Right. We, we couldn't get the audio to rip and because it took forever to process the video longer than usual. So it was like something was wrong. So we totally apologize if you guys were looking for it but couldn't find it. Wrestling Nank on YouTube, you should be able to find it. It'll say ROH review, Best in the World Review, and it's right there. Uh, it's an hour long, so. Yeah, great uh, review. We had a great interaction with folks on uh, online. I started off way too negative, and I was like, eh, it was okay. But then I totally backtracked, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? The main event was really short, and that's what left the bad taste in my mouth. But if we looked at the whole show, I thought it was really good. Not my favorite Ring of Honor show by far, but still, I think it was very good. Which I'm kicking myself. During our interview with Beer City Bruiser, I wanted to ask him about that, not on in the interview, but at, off camera about that weird ending and, and how guys maybe felt about that uh, backstage. But the match of the night was definitely Jay Lethal versus Kenny King in my mind. That was my favorite match, too. I thought it really had some great wrestling in it. The time was perfect. It didn't drag on too long or it wasn't too short either. So just perfect length. I always think that when Lethal and King have met in the past, it's been good. But this was like their best meeting in recent past. And you were actually surprised how King actually has been around almost just as long as Lethal. Yeah, they gave the bios, and, uh, you know, King is a lot older than he he seems. He's been around a long time, and, uh, you know, he did things in this match that were different for him, too. He took to the air, which we don't normally see. Uh, I love both guys using each other's moves on each other. Really just a really strong match, I thought. Yeah, I, I think that was my favorite of the night as well. Uh, Silas and Gresham had to follow that. We talked about that, that technical uh, pure rules match. It was just hard for that to follow and didn't really uh, didn't really add a lot to the show to me. I don't think people were into it, even the crowd there. But I will say overall, the crowd was really great. It was. And it was one of the most energetic crowds for Ring of Honor that I've seen in a long time. Uh, double count out with uh, Aldis and Drake and Briscoes, as we mentioned. <laughs> and, of course, Colt trying to... Uh, Save Nick Aldis and Ian Riccoboni, pleading with him not... You, you can't! <laughs> yeah. The doctor said. And he's holding him back. I like that. That was really great. Great that, story. That was good. Uh, Shane Taylor retained his TV title over Bandito. Some impressive moves in that match. And we've been saying, do not sleep on Shane Taylor. And, of course, Bandito is strong as hell for right. his size. And he had some incredible feats of strength in this match. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, both those guys are good, but we were glad, even though... We've said, and some people said it on the podcast after the show, which, again, you can catch on Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube channel, uh, that they're worried that Bandito's not getting pushed enough. But I thought in this instance, Shane Taylor retaining needed to be that way. Bandito's going to get his push. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, he's one of the new acquisitions. They have to elevate him and push him, and I don't think there's any doubt that they will. They just they, they needed to have Shane retain here. Shane needs to stay a champion because he's also somebody on the roster who should be built up and up. So he's thought of as like a really high up 
middle guy, if not eventually a top guy. I think he's great. I think he's so underrated. Uh, Lifeblood versus uh, the Villain Enterprises. Uh, this was not as good as I had hoped, but I thought uh, we mentioned it on that podcast. I don't know if PCO got his bell rung, but he just kind of seemed off when he Very tried off. to do a couple things. Wobbly, not himself. Uh, I was scared at some points that it was just going to fall over. Yeah. But what made the match kind of worth everything was what happened right after when we see that their new member of Villain Enterprises is Flip Gordon. Yes, but first, Flip looked like he was going to join Lifeblood. He's in the ring. Uh, and then Marty Skrull appears on the screen, and uh, it was emblematic of something that they did in the Bullet Club back in New Japan. Yeah, when they had the video of Kenny Omega, basically, actually it wasn't in New Japan, it was in Ring of Honor I th- uh, that it happened. I'm pretty sure it was a Ring of Honor ring. So they have a video of Kenny Omega talking about a new member of Bullet Club, and they pan over, and they reveal it's Marty Skrull. Then they cut that off, and Marty's in the middle of the ring, and they betray Adam Cole and kick him out of the Bullet Club. Right. So this is a lot like that in terms of them cutting to the screen. You see Marty say that there's a new member. Then they show it's Flip. They cut to black. They show Flip's, you know, he's still in the ring, and he's going to team up with Villain Enterprises. Yep. And he did that 450 off the top, threw P.J. Williams on the table. Kind of looked like Flip might have hurt himself in that instance. We're but, hoping he's fine because yeah. that looked wicked, and the commentary team looked actually concerned. Concerned, yeah. Uh, and then the main event, Jeff Cobb versus Taven and... Again. And it's the, one of the weakest matches on the show because it lacked the time it needed and also because it just they didn't get to do what they usually do. They probably were already thrown off their game for having such a short amount of time. Yeah, only 12 minutes. It was all that they got for this match. They're both really good. Like A lot of people will hate on Taven, but he is a really effective heel, as we'll hear Beer City Bruiser talk about him specifically later and how good of a champion he is and how he's kind of underrated. I also agree with Beer City Bruiser's sentiments. I think Taven's great, but here I feel like it wasn't his best and it wasn't Cobb's best either on display. So Taven retains, and the next big... uh, Ring of Honor show uh, is uh, Manhattan Mayhem, where uh, G.O.D. will go against the Briscoes. Then the winner of that will go against our guy, Beer City Producer, and Brian Malonis the next night in the TV tapings in Lowell. That should be amazing. I honestly don't care who wins because God versus Bouncers will be great. Briscoes versus Bouncers will be great. But, of course, I'm secretly rooting for the Briscoes <laughs> to win against God because I think that's going to be an awesome, brutal match at Manhattan Mayhem. Can't wait. All right, before we wrap up this first segment, we're going to touch on WWE quickly. Uh, the new regimes, so to speak, with Paul Heyman on Raw, Eric Bischoff on SmackDown, and, boy, no pun intended, uh, or pun intended, explosive beginning to Raw with Strowman and Lashley with a, a brutal match that ends up with Strowman driving Lashley through the LED board. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked they actually had Pyro on a WWE show again. It was very exciting. I thought that whole segment was really well done, right down to Corey Graves uttering holy, you know, on the air, which was kind of funny. And, uh, you know, the the power had all been shut down, and they had to go to a static camera shot, and the announcers were off. I thought all of it was sold very well. And then the rest of the show kind of just went back to normal WWE with some stuff that made no sense. Like uh, the Street Profits, the NXT champs were for some reason on Raw, but all they were doing was goofy backstage interview segments that really weren't that good. Uh, Some of the backstage interviews were terrible. At one point, 
the 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 new one, uh, reporter basically repeated verbatim what the announce crew had just said on an update on Braun Strowman, and she says almost the exact same thing, which I don't understand why WWE feels the need for their backstage reporters to recap what is going on in the show. Just get straight into the interview. We do, we're watching the show. We yeah. know what's going on. Uh, and so uh, the end of the show, AJ and Ricochet, I thought was really good. But that, to me, was it was bookends. You know, the, that was great, and there was a little good in the middle, but uh, it didn't knock my socks off for, for the first show under this new regime. It was the same old thing for me. I saw the explosion part. That was all right. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. I thought it was like the the coolest thing in the world from what people had been saying to me on Twitter. But then like when I saw it, when you showed it to me, I was like, it's all right. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Was I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really well done. I thought it was real well sold. Um, everything about it I thought was very well executed. Uh, and then SmackDown, I thought it was, you know, the same as it always is. I think it's SmackDown consistently top to bottom is always a decent show. It doesn't mm-hmm. lag as much. Uh, I did find it interesting that Aleister Black alluded to uh, somebody he will be fighting at Extreme Rules. I'm mm-hmm. interested to see who that's going to be. Uh, I know there's speculation it may be Bray Wyatt, uh, but it'd be curious to see who it is. Yeah, I would like it if it was Bray. Although, then you have to have one of them lose, and that would suck. Yeah, well, Like, I don't really want either of them to lose. No, so. I, I think that would be bad for either of them to lose, I do, really. for both, for either of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, the they debut, both need to be elevated. Right, Aleister Black really starting his singles career in WWE, and Bray Wyatt re- revealing his new character, his new gimmick. Yeah, I think it would be a mistake for either of them to lose, if that is... Who it is. I mean, Bray already has a history of losing with every other version of his gimmick ever. So I feel like it it can't continue. I've also heard it might be Randy Orton might be the surprise one. It's I don't Randy. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, not Randy. That's random. Well, I think... <laughs> Randy because, is random. Because there was something Aleister Black said that kind of allude, kind of gave a hint of Randy Orton. So I don't... I, who knows? We'll be interested to see that. Um, and then the uh, tag team, Heavy Machinery, gets inserted into a triple threat match and we bring that up because it uh we'll hear from beer city bruiser he actually brings up heavy machinery in our interview uh, a little later in in the show in fact that's coming up in the next segment yep and actually a lot of people mentioned heavy machinery when we asked them about the contest oh yeah yeah so let's uh let's switch gears now before we uh move on and let's do a little fun stuff and we asked people who what wrestler uh, if the Nathan's hot dog eating contest on July 4th was only comprised of wrestling contestants, which wrestler do you think would reign victorious as the winner? And you created a great little graphic online. Yeah, it has Joey Janela and like his hands like were perfect. I put a hot dog in, <laughs> in between his hands. So it looks like he's holding a hot dog and he's sticking his tongue out. And then Matt Riddle saying, hot dogs, bro. And I've got Beer City Bruiser on the graphic as well. It's got a wrestling ring in the background with Nathan's hot dog eating contest kind of looking like a wrestling belt type of graphic, which they do give away this belt. But of course, it's not as eloquent as a real wrestling belt. It's got like stickers on it and stuff. But Beer City Bruiser saying, how about a beer with that hot dog? And then Jimmy Havoc saying, need mustard, mate? And he's holding up a knife like he's going to slather on the mustard on your hot dog. (laughs) Well, you did a great job on that graphic, I gotta tell you. But a bad job on the Jimmy Havoc impersonation, (laughs) but yes. Yes. Uh, Great idea from our friends at uh, UCF Nightline. And, of course, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest uh, happens every July 4th. Joey Chestnut, uh, 
winning for the fourth time in the last five years. And he's American, because for a while, there was a Japanese guy who kept winning. Right. And he's very skinny, and he was like kind of very dominant in the eating contest world. Yes. So, uh, we got a bunch of great answers from people, so let's uh, start right into it. Uh, at C. Dan Chan said, there's a story about Big Show standing behind the stage eating a tray of hot dogs as witnessed by Triple H, he thinks. He has to be the front runner. Our good friend Rafael Esparza at VSL Doc Sports uh, says, great question. I would say The Rock. Have you seen his cheat days when he eats? Then here's our first mention of Otis and Heavy Machinery at tub underscore L-A-R-A-B-E-E. Just left a gif of Otis. <laughs> Looks like he's eyeballing a, 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 a hot dog. A tray of hot dogs, yeah. At L-I-Z-A-R-D-O-T-H-E, dead. It's always those skinny guys that win, so... And then he leaves a gif of James Ellsworth. <laughs> and uh, I agree with that sentiment on the skinny guys. Uh, at Braves Fan for Life 8 says Andre, Big Show, and Scott Norton. Uh, at Deuce McHenry says, uh, bring the title back to Japan, and he's got a picture of Asuka. That's a good one. Like I said, like it used to be a lot of times that the Nathan's contest was won by this Japanese guy, but now... Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut, an American. So but, Gary wants you know Oscar to take it back to and, Japan. And truth be told, the there is the female side of the competition was won by a uh, Japanese competitor, I believe, this year. So we'll move on. Bradley at Dar B M I L N E says Kenny Omega. <laughs> then uh, at G A R T E T, he says Ishi. Wow, what a great answer. <laughs> the stone pitbull devouring some dogs. Uh, at Nicholas Nutter says, uh, Tommy Dreamer's 2002 gimmick, when he did disgusting things, it would fit right in. You think <laughs> Mark Henry's going to win, but after he stops, he sits down, and you see he's been obscuring Tommy Dreamer from the camera the whole time, and he's still not stopping. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be funny. That's a great scenario. <laughs> at Deep Fried Whiskey, Brian Malonis. That's our first mention of Malonis here. And, and by the way, kind of an ironic Twitter handle, knowing what happened to the Jim Beam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Deep fried whiskey. <laughs> it did kind of get fried. It yes, got burned it away. Yes. At uh, Burt Macklin 11 says one contestant would have to be Braun Strowman. He'd get these hands. Uh, T-shirts could easily be changed to get these hot, get these hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. At Deej Kirkby, here's my picks. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> Joey Ryan, disqualified for hiding hot dogs where he hides his lollipop. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, DNF on moral grounds. Matt Riddle, winner by a landslide. Dude blazed up a joint and got munchies. He even ate the ones D. Bry left behind. <laughs> At Kel Will 9, the Shockmaster, he immediately trips over the top stair and nervously begins eating hot dogs before the whistle. <laughs> dragon, dragon, but I don't see how that's possible since he's dead. <laughs> well, that would be impressive. Uh, at the WPAN from Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Of course, it's Brian Malonis' podcast along with his friend Mike, and they're wonderful. Check them out. He picks uh, Ivar and Hansen from the Viking Raiders since he's already won a hot dog eating contest, which I did not know. Ivar slash Hansen since he's called yeah. Ivar now. Yeah. 
at BlackmanRobin7, RVD and Matt Riddle. Of course, he's going along the <laughs> munchies kind of train of thought. They would both be in a tie since they both have the same amount of munchies, I guess. <laughs> at M-S-T-E-P-N-E-Y-71, it would come down to a final between the Beer City Bruiser and Brian Malonis. Throw in a couple of kegs of beer and you've got quite an explosive <laughs> contest. Haha, ha. Winner, Malonis. Uh... Moving on, at BC Mendoza says PCO, and then you responded, he's not human, so of course he could eat a boatload of hot dogs and still be okay. Great choice. And then he responded by saying, or I'll take Minoru Suzuki because he'll kick everyone's ass who even tries to beat him. That's a great, (laughs) great choice. Uh, Continuing on, at Raw Mopar Fan says Kurt Angle or Tommy Dreamer, so a second Tommy Dreamer reference. At S-O-R-A-S-T-R-O of Mog Ryback, finish the competition, then ask the event planners to feed him more. (laughs) (laughs) Then we've got another mention here, at Mike B. Bebe says Otis. Yep, going to be a popular choice, I would think. Uh, At A-P-R-I-C-E-I-N-S, I think it's very easy to say someone like Mark Henry or Brock Lesnar, but once you compare them to Joy Chestnut, I would have to go with CM Punk. Besides, isn't it better to have Punk as a champion? I will dispute the CM Punk answer when we hear my answer later, because there's a reason he wouldn't win the hot dog eating contest. Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, continuing on at the re- or at real Tony Connors, uh, Drake Maverick, the English Kobayashi. That's who used to win the hot dog eating contest. Yes. His name was Kobayashi. I couldn't remember it earlier. Uh, Bray Wyatt, Xavier Woods, Shane McMahon, because he can do everything. <laughs> At very hot S T I L E seventeen, my money would be on Rusev. All right. Uh, at, this one's great. Our good friend Graham. Well, well, go ahead and read it. Then. At MGB Graham, I had to answer while driving to Canada and then no Wi-Fi. So here's my answer now. The Kobayashi of the wrestling world, I give you Enzo Amore. A lightweight for sure, but if he can eat with the speed he runs his mouth, <laughs> the little guy will surprise you and win. <laughs> that that is, is a wonderful that answer. That is a great answer. It's so true. Dave at Sensei underscore Dave Bear, he says Andre. Andre could put away the beers, so uh, I, there's no reason to believe he couldn't put away uh, some hot dogs as well. At Take the Bump Pod says Falaba. That could easily, easily happen. But then, I don't know, like the bigger guys don't usually do, do good on these contests, so who knows? And of course, JPQ at Big Paws on a Pup says Triple H. He left a gift, <laughs> and uh, he said, basically, Triple H is saying, the man is me. The man is me. Yep. Get the tables at get.tables. Left a gift of rhino eating burgers. <laughs> Burger, if you can eat the burgers, you can eat hot dogs, right? Yep. Uh, I just think the whole disgusting, the most disgusting part of it all is that they dunk the buns into water. They soften them up. God, it's disgusting. But it is gross. We watched like a whole documentary, like a 30, a for, 30, 30. for 30. It was the good, the bad, and the hungry. And this is all about Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. And man, is it disgusting. <laughs> I just I was like, I think I'll be okay watching this. But the more I watch them eat, I was like, I can never it's, watch it's this ama- again. It's amazing those people can eat that much food. It really is incredible. But the way they eat it, they just shove it in like they're shoveling it. <laughs> Groups. Anyway, go ahead. At PCH Nobog, Zack Sabre Jr., all the real Eating champions are skinny, and Zach is textbook. At Kel Will Nine says Abdul the Butcher. That's well, a great answer. He's used to chopping up meat, right? 
<laughs> at Dave Pazeski, Mark Henry. He's not only the strongest man in the world, but the hungriest. He'd scarf down a lot of hot dogs to come out on top. And if he doesn't, I'm sure someone will be inducted into the Hall of Pain. I like that a lot. Our great friends, View From The Top Rope, they're on Twitter, at View From Top Rope. Otis, again, another mention of Otis. He says, have you ever seen him dominate macaroons? <laughs> and he put, like, a laughing face. Check out their podcast. They're wonderful. Our good friend, Zach, at ZachShe130. Big E. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a good choice. If you can eat all those doughy pancakes, you can certainly <laughs> eat the buns of the hot dogs. The pancakes are cold. I'll never understand it. How can you eat a cold pancake? No. Uh, at Triple G two one two two zero three says at Braun Strowman that man eats like five meals in one meal. Yep, and that's our last answer. So what wonderful answers! Yeah, some great great answers. But I was very happy that none of none of the people said my answer, and nobody said mine. And nobody either. said your answer. So when we come back, we're gonna have the interview with Beer City Bruiser. We hit on uh, the state of Ring of Honor. Uh, the wrestling promotion he was wrestling in here in Wisconsin, Bruce City Wrestling. But we also posed the hot dog eating question to him, so we'll hear his answer. That's when we come back on Two Face Pod. Two Face Wrestling Talk is proud to be sponsored by Wrestling Travel. Check them out on Twitter at Wrestling Travel. Also go to their website, wrestlingtravel.org, to find out about all the exciting travel packages, including a travel package to All Out, which includes four nights hotel stay, StarCast Platinum Bracelet, and a lower bowl ticket across from the hard cam. They also have a very fun Wrestle Kingdom travel package, which includes round-trip airfare, five-night hotel near the Tokyo Dome, lower bowl tickets to both days of Wrestle Kingdom, and guided tours by being the Elite's fat ass masa come on who wouldn't want to hang out with masa i think that's like the coolest thing they offer you get to have some time with him meet him interact with him he'll literally be hanging with you and you'd get to be a part of the first two-day wrestle kingdom which is going to be really special in my opinion they also have travel packages to wwe events including wrestlemania 36 which you can sign up for information at wrestlingtravel.org and they've got packages to the Royal Rumble as well, plus other events too. Check out their website. There are USA travel packages, but also UK travel packages. So whether you live in the UK or where we live in the United <laughs> States, you can find something for you. Also, don't forget they've got a friendly staff that can help you out. DM them on Twitter or contact them through their website. Thanks, Wrestling Travel. Hey guys, want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence? Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue, B-L-U-E. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. <laughs> BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness except for this right here. Yeah, I know. This is pretty awkward. <laughs> Whatever. Go ahead. Uh, they're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our promo code, Kelsey. That's my name. <laughs> K-E-L-S-I. That's how it's spelled. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E. 
BlueChew.com, promo code K-E-L-S-I, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and gosh, it means so much to us that they're sponsoring the podcast. So please your lady and please us by going to <laughs> BlueChew.com. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. And now back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. All right, so we're backstage at Brew City Wrestling with the Beer City Bruiser. And uh, let's talk about the promotion, first of all, for people who don't know anything about it. Uh, It's been around a while. Yeah, it's been around uh, 17 years now. Uh, 16 years. Going on 16. This is our sixth year at this festival. Uh, called Summerfest, which is the largest music festival in the world. So, uh, Bruce City's been around. Frankie DeFalco is the owner and uh, the the creator of it, and I've been with the company since its inception. So, so I know you're known for beer, and obviously yeah. you're wrestling tonight for Bruce City Wrestling. But let's talk about the other thing. I think you always are known for and you come down to the ring with your cigars yep. recently you partnered with martinez cigars to create an awesome beer city bruiser cigar tell me about how that relationship came to be uh ring of honor approached me um they were in new york and uh greg who's in charge of like our merchandise and stuff um martinez actually reached out to him and he asked me if i'd be interested interested in stuff like that and i said yeah definitely and then uh, I got to sample different stuff and see what I liked, you know. And then um, Martinez created it. Uh, I got to approve the the band that's on there. And then with the G1 Supercard, that's that was the release date. I did an autograph signing, and they sold really well, and they're doing really well now. And, uh, in fact, July 20th, before Manhattan Mayhem, I'm doing another autograph signing at Martinez Cigars. So if you go online, martinezcigars.com slash Bruiser, pick up. You know, it's a, it's a single six-pack and uh, the big giant cannonball one. So, I, I've actually smoked some of the smaller ones. They're actually really good, and I'm pretty picky about cigars. Usually I only smoke flavored ones, but yours are really, really good. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I found something that I liked. I don't want to give the people that stuff I don't like, and it pairs really well with beer. So. <laughs> well, it doesn't everything. Everything pairs, yes, everything does. At the Summerfest especially, where we're going to have lots of beers over the next couple days. Good. Uh, Speaking of Summerfest, I think it was about five or six years ago. I, I come to this festival every year. Yep. But I brought two friends, and we came over to the wrestling, and I had just started watching Ring of Honor. And I, I was watching you, and I had been impressed with you on TV. And you had just gone to the ring. I'm tapping my buddies like, you got to watch this guy. Talk about your development and, and your career and, and where you are right now. And obviously, I'm sure you still have bigger goals. I'm actually living my dream right now. I'm having the time of my life wrestling. Um, coming back from Harley's and creating the Beer City Bruiser gimmick was one of the best things ever done. Cause it's me. It's me times a, you know, 100. And Stone Cold put it best. If you want a successful gimmick, make it you. Turned up to 11, and that's what I did. Um, with Bruce City, I was able to, to wrestle. Frank runs like 50-some shows a year, so you're, you're wrestling constantly. And then with his training school, too, I get to train the future, and, and I'm constantly coming up with new ideas. Um, and then Ring of Honor, I had people like Steve Carino and Kevin Kelly, you know, giving me constant advice, you know. Um, I was a big fan of the Crusher growing up, so that's where the keg and the cigar came from. You know what I mean? And, and it represents Milwaukee, because when you think of Milwaukee, you think of beer. 
you know, as far as goals and stuff, Brian and I, you know, Brawler and I have the tag team title shot coming up. I'd love to be a Ring of Honor tag team champion, especially with Malonis because he's such a cool partner. Uh, I'd like to go back to Japan. I did the one tour of Japan, and, and I'd like the bouncers to go to Japan because I think we do really well in Japan. And then obviously I want to do a UK tour just because I want to drink in an actual English pub. <laughs> and that, that tour you did in Japan, you were very popular and yeah. very successful. That was a good run for you. Yeah, that, and that was a dream come true, wrestling in Corican Hall against Hiroki Goto, who is, who is a New Japan staple. You know, and I've always looked up to him as a, as a wrestler, and, and I've talked to him on numerous, you know, help with ideas and stuff. To wrestle him in Japan for the Never Openweight Championship was like a dream come true. I mean, I was like a giddy little kid that whole week before, and then after, and it was a dream come true, man. <laughs> well, you actually mentioned Brian Malonis, and I think you guys have great chemistry together. Talk about forming the bouncers with him and you guys' chemistry and relationship. I think we have such good chemistry because our paths were kind of the same. He was trained by Killer Kowalski. I was trained by Harley Race. You know, two legends. Um, he's been wrestling for going on 18, 19 years. I'm going on 20. You know, it took us, you know, it took me 14 years to get in the ring of honor. It took him, you know, 15, I think it was, something like that. So it's always, you know, we're, we kind of went along the same path. And then wrestling each other, we just had that chemistry in the ring where we talked to each other and said, you know, hey, man, we like to drink beer and fight. Let's be partners. And ever since then, it just clicked. Like, I talked to him every single... In fact, I was talking to him before you guys got here, you know. Um, I tried to get him on these shows here because I knew he'd have a blast, but he couldn't He couldn't because of family issues and stuff. So, But we're in, like, Oklahoma next week. He's coming to Brew City the, the, the day after, you know. And then, of course, we got Manhattan and Lowell and all that. So it, it, being with Brian is great because it's very rare when you find someone with that much chemistry. And we had just met each other, and now he's one of my best friends. You know, last time we interviewed you guys, we interviewed you together, and you didn't have a name. Yep. Now you're known as the Bouncers. Talk about finally getting a name, and also about your big title opportunity coming up. We want to know more about that as well. well when you're coming up with a name, you know, a name can make or break you. You know, and we were trying to think, we want something that represented a bar, but like everyone get with. You know, and somebody had actually pointed out that we were kind of like the security of Ring of Honor locker room. You know, because there was a time where, like, some people were trying to get in the locker room and, and they didn't belong there. And me and Brian kind of, you know, bounced them out. And uh, I forget who said it. They're like, man, you guys are like bounces at a nightclub. <laughs> and we looked at each other like, that's it. <laughs> so we pitched it to the Ring of Honor creative offices, and they loved it. They thought it was amazing. And, and that's how the name came to be. And then as far as the title shot, Matt's going to be great. I don't care if it's the Briscoes or G.O.D. Um, Brawler and I have gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Briscoes. We've wrestled them three times in, in their battles. And G.O.D., I wouldn't expect anything less. I mean, they are one of the t they are probably the top tag team in Japan right now, you know, and I think that'd be a uh, win, lose, or draw. They're in for a fight, you know. And, and if we beat them, that's awesome because then we get our title run, you know. It's ironic. You guys, G.O.D., the Briscoes are three of our favorite tag teams because <laughs> you guys all bring something different. Who are you a fan of right now, whether it's in your promotion, outside your promotion, Singles-wise and tag-team-wise that you watch and are just impressed by, amazed by? Uh, uh, right now, in WWE, I'm a big fan of Heavy Machinery. Uh, just because I can picture the bouncers versus Heavy Machinery wrestling each other. Yeah, um, G.O.D. I'm still a big fan of. And I've, I've been watching a lot more of their stuff lately to kind of prepare for the match. And I've slowly become more of a fan. Like, I was a fan before, but now watching them, you know, obviously they're brothers, you yeah. know. But they gel so well, you know. And Tom is not afraid to, to speak his point of view. He's the best. He's the best about <laughs> so that. Yeah, he is. Oh, he is. He does. Yeah. As far as singles competition, I'd like to wrestle Jeff Cobb or Shane Taylor. I've wrestled Shane Taylor in the past. I've wrestled Jeff Cobb in tag matches, but one on one, I'd love to do something with Jeff Cobb. 
you know, um, I always call my sexy pineapple drink because he's, he's the Hawaiian juggernaut, you know. But I, I think we can go toe-to-toe. You know, he's one of the strongest guys I know. I mean, he's picked up Malonis and thrown him over his head. But I, I, lo- I think we could have a great match together, singles. I would love to see that. All of those matchups would be incredible. Man, so many great choices. I also want to kind of go back a few months. You had this amazing interview with Jericho on Talk is Jericho. It was so long and extensive. Talk about that experience. It must have been kind of overwhelming to be with Jericho, one of the greatest ever. He's getting to know about you, and you guys have, like, such a long convo. It was so fascinating. It was really cool. I grew up with Jericho, obviously, you know, I'm that generation where he was he had his rise and everything. And uh, it came about because they were on tour here in Wisconsin at a different festival. And I uh, reached out to our ROH publicist. And I said, hey, I'm on the Jericho cruise. Jericho's in town. How about doing the podcast? And I was shocked when Jericho texted me and said, yeah, let's do this. You know, and then the whole, the whole conversation was great because I got to get my story out to a whole new platform of people. Um, and then also to hear from him and, you know, and talk to him and then develop a friendship with him was really cool. And now, like, on the cruise and stuff, I got to do the matches and afterwards come and, you know, critique. He could critique it, you know, and it's great to have a, a future Hall of Famer critique your stuff and tell you, oh, that was really good, but this is what you need to work on or this is great, you know what I mean? And it's real funny because sometimes I'll get text messaging real late at night and my wife will be like, oh, who's texting you at 3 o'clock in the morning? Oh, it's Jericho. <laughs> you know, and she can't be mad because... <laughs> well, we're both huge fans of Ring of Honor, but a lot of people have been negative about Ring of Honor yeah. lately, and it really kind of, well, infuriates us a yeah. little bit because, you know, people act like because a few stars went away that the promotion's going to go away, and this promotion has lived on when lots of great wrestlers have gone away. As, as an insider with Ring of Honor... How do you feel about the promotion, and how does how much does the criticism irk you? It, it doesn't irk me; it motivates me, um, and that's a cool thing about our locker room. It motivates every single guy in that locker room. So what? So a couple guys left. We're not dead. We're still here. You know, um, there's a shiny new toy out there with that other company. Good. Everyone can do that. But we're still around, and some of the TV that we just filmed is the best TV that I've been a part of since I've been with the company. Um, there's guys that are stepping up that you didn't expect to step up, you know. And Matt Taven being the world champion, you know, everyone can say what they want about Matt Taven. He's a workhorse, you know. He's one of the best heels in the business. People hate his guts. They hate him being a champion. That's the whole point of being a heel in this business, you know. And, and because he doesn't cater whatever what he wants, that's why they hate him, you know. And that works. You know, people are going to tune in to watch him get his ass kicked. You know, I, I'm not worried about Ring of Honor going anywhere. I think we're, right now, we're truly motivated. Like, this locker room is hungry. Uh, we had a lot of guys that were being held down before that didn't get the opportunity, and now we're being given the opportunity, and we're taking that ball and we're running with it. You know, Malonis and I, when, when the tag team division kind of opened up, we looked at each other, like, well, there's two ways we can take this. We can kind of just lay down and go, okay, yeah. Or we can take the ball and run with it and show people why you need to be our fans. And I think we're doing a really good job with that. I love that answer. That yeah. is a tremendous answer. Yeah. And, 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 again, anybody who's down on Ring of Honor, I think, is out of their mind. Kels? I love Ring of Honor. I will always be a supporter. And I think you guys, the bouncers, are such a huge part of what makes Ring of Honor really special right now. A lot of, like, the talent, it's that's what makes Ring of Honor so special is the great wrestling, the great talent there. But let's switch gears a little bit. Speaking about talent, and this includes across all promotions, we have this fun thing that we ask our listeners about a hot dog eating contest because it's the week of July 4th. There's a famous hot dog eating contest called Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest every July 4th. We pose it to our listeners, which wrestler do you think would win a wrestling-filled hot dog eating contest? We want to ask you who you would think would win, but first, Paul, what's your answer? All right, well, I've got two answers. First, I'm going to tell you who definitely won't win or won't even participate. 
Austin Aries, CM Punk, anybody else that's a vegan, unless it's a tofu dog contest, they're out. The winner is going to be Cheeseburger. Really? Okay. A, because of the name, and B, skinny guys seem to win the... I mean, look at Kobayashi. Kobayashi's like 150 pounds. Yeah. So I think Cheeseburger's going to put him down and shock everybody. <laughs> I've seen Cheeseburger eat. I mean, in Japan, we went to the all-you-can-eat places, and he did put them away. But if I'm going, anyway, I'm going with my partner, Brawler. Uh, Malonis is the guy. I've watched him put away hot dogs. And I've had to tell him, hey, man, this isn't a contest. Like, we're not competing. You're going to beat me, you know. So my money would be on Malonis. But I think Cheeseburger could hang. What about you, Kels? I would say a couple of other contestants in the contest. I think Jimmy Havoc would be in the contest. He'd be chopping up the hot dogs, trying to eat them faster, just make them smaller. I think that Marco Stunt would be in the contest, and he would come in second place. Like you said, small guys. You, you think that they don't do well, but they actually do the best in the contest. But the winner, who you mentioned, Matt Taven, because he's using heel tactics, he's got the kingdom underneath the table, eating extra hot dogs nobody sees. He uses heel, heel tactics. Then Vinny Marcella. He also has his followers, his creepy followers, under the table helping eat the hot dogs. So a massive amount of people. The hot dog counter just keeps going up, and people can't believe it. They keep wondering, how is he putting them away? It's problem with that, though. Matt Taven doesn't eat carbs. Oh. <laughs> well, if it was just the, the dogs and not the buns. <laughs> there you go. Well, maybe Vinny could take his place. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. Well, before we go, tell everybody how uh, they can find you on yep. social media maybe promote this uh, promotion a little bit and uh, where people can get your merch and everything else. You can find me on Twitter at BCB Winchester, on Facebook as The Beer City Bruiser, on Instagram at Beer City Bruiser. Uh, you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Beer City Bruiser. I just released a brand new shirt that says Beer, 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 on the back, more beer. <laughs> yep. Um, you can find me on Ring of Honor, uh, ROHWrestling.com. On the shop, we have two new bouncer shirts. I also got a brand new I Ain't Got No Teeth. Uh, I Can't Bite I Ain't Got No Teeth shirt, which just came out, which is my new catchphrase. Um, Bruce City Wrestling is at BruceCityWrestling1.com. Uh, the owner, Frankie DeFalco, is at BCB1, so you can follow him to find uh, all that. And then the Thumper's Den Wrestling Academy. That's uh, the school that I train at. So if you want to be a professional wrestler, you're in the Milwaukee area, come on out. We'll, we'll train you to be a wrestler. That is awesome, and we really appreciate you taking time backstage yeah. here at Summerfest, the world's largest music festival, which everybody needs to know about. <laughs> Great to see you. Thanks yes. for taking the time to thank be with you. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and Martina Cigars. Yeah. Go oh, get yeah. a Beer City Bruiser cigar. MartinaCigars.com slash Beer City Bruiser. Well, we were doped. We were actually <laughs> going to bring the cigars with us and do the interview with all three of us smoking the cigars, but of course, we left them at the, uh, the apartment, yeah. so unfortunately... Well, we're so happy that Beer City Bruiser took the time to talk to us. It was a lot of fun, and we're lucky because we almost had to interview him in this small trailer, which would have been really loud well, and compact. Well, at Summerfest, they have like a sports stage, and they do things with the Milwaukee Bucks or the Milwaukee Admirals hockey team. But the trailer is a staging area. Well, that's also where the wrestlers were getting ready. So we, we were originally going to do the interview in the trailer, which kind of would have been loud because of the air conditioning unit. We were in a tight space, and they were the admirals and their mascot were bringing things yeah. in. You know, the ladies were in the back changing, so they couldn't really do that. So we finally stepped out back and could. If you watch the video version, which we've we've dressed up with some uh, B-roll footage, B, uh, some footage of the of the wrestling event as well. So if you're listening to us, you might want to still go back and watch the interview because there's some great stuff yeah. from that Bruce City Wrestling show. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed the show quite a bit, actually, especially that loser guy. Yeah, There's, like, this nerd character. We don't have any footage of him, I don't think. No. He's incredible. He kept doing the flossing. I loved him so much. He just kept getting thrown yeah. around. Yeah, keep this name in mind, Luzern. Yeah, it was, yeah. like, loser. Yeah. Luzern. Yeah, it's and, awesome. Uh, he, he was, his gimmick was really good. I've never seen anyone do that geeky of a character before. It was awesome. It really it was, was well done. It was like extra geeky. Like I've seen it a little bit before, but like not to this level. And it just was a different kind of nerd. And a very uh, good uh, intergender tag team match where uh, Stacy Shadows, Shadows yeah. came in with her partner. Uh, I already forgot who it was. Um, they were the tag team champions for Bruce City Wrestling. Uh, but they lost the belts in what was a really entertaining match as well. That so, was really good, and the crowd was into that match yeah, quite so, a bit. So big thumbs up to Bruce City Wrestling, and uh, glad we could promote them a little bit because uh, they are a big part of Beer City Bruiser. Yeah, they are. They are a big part of his history for sure. And his, and his present as well. Yes. So, so uh, thanks to him, and thank you for uh, listening to us again this week. We want to remind you this weekend, uh, two big shows that we will be at in Dallas the kickoff of the G1 at the American Airlines Center, Impact Slam Anniversary at Gillies in Dallas, and we will do spare change after both shows. So make sure you check us out on our uh, social media at Two Face Pod and also your personal su- uh, social media at Super Kicking It S U P E R K I C K I N G I T. And looking far, like kind of farther mm-hmm. ahead is we're going to be at fight for the fall and we'll be covering that as well we'll be previewing it next week and then we'll be reviewing it the week after after we go to it yep so next week we will review the kickoff to g1 we will re- review impact slam anniversary we will look ahead to that fight for the fallen and we will look ahead to extreme rules so another good week ahead next week but thanks again for joining us this week that's all the time we have for today I want to thank you guys so much that's it for us that's the finish When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.